49, St. Luke, the 24th chapter, beginning at verse number 49. You will find these words written, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Stay there. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you have been endued with power from on high. Acts the first chapter, verse number eight, part of our morning scripture verse. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Ye shall be my witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Then Acts the second chapter, verses one through four. Acts the second chapter, verses one through four. We find it written there, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And notice verse number four, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want to talk to you just briefly this morning from the subject matter, if Pentecost brought power, where is the power? I want to talk to you. If Pentecost brought power, where is the power? I want to to discuss that. Where is the power? Let me start off by saying that Pentecost uh, is a Christian holy day that celebrates the coming of the Holy Spirit 40 days after Easter. Uh, Some Christian denominations consider it the birthday of the Christian church and they celebrated as such. Originally, Pentecost was a Jewish holiday held 50 days after the Passover. And so this day is set aside when believers are supposed to celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it is important that we celebrate Pentecost I need y'all to understand it's very important that we celebrate Pentecost. I'm a firm believer that if Christmas is the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus, Son of God, then I believe that Pentecost is the day that we ought to celebrate the birth of the Holy Spirit. When you look at the second chapter of the book of Acts, Acts 2 must be interpreted in light of Acts chapter 1, verses four through eight, uh, where the risen Lord Jesus instructed the disciples 
to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, which was the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And Jesus explained to them that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And they would receive power uh, to be Christ's witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of uh, the earth. And so just as Jesus' uh, ministry depended on the Holy Spirit descending on him uh, at his baptism, so the ministry of the disciples depended on them receiving the Holy Ghost and relying on his power. And so while they had experienced a measure of the Spirit's power before, now he would come to dwell in them permanently. And so therefore, Acts chapter 2 must be interpreted as a special historical event. I don't want y'all to miss this. Uh, Acts 2, Acts 2, it must be interpreted as a special historical event signifying a new period in God's dealing with his people. Pentecost signals the dawning of the age of the Holy Ghost and the fullness of the spirit in God's people is to empower them for witness to all the nation. And so, and so, with that being said, then the meaning of Pentecost is simply God's equipping his church with the power of his spirit so that he will be glorified among the nations. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say it again. The meaning of Pentecost is God's equipping his church with the power of the Holy Ghost so that he will be glorified among the nation. And so the point of Pentecost is mission. Uh, the point of Pentecost is mission. And the goal of mission is that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. And so if we properly understand this great historic event, our hearts will be inflamed with calls of seeing some from every tribe, tongue, and nation bowing before the exalted Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible said that the day is coming, that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue must confess. And so before the day of Pentecost, you have to understand the Holy Spirit regenerated men and empowered them for serving God. But he did not at that time permanently indwell all believers. That's the reason why when you look at Psalms 51 and 11, that's why David had to say, Lord, please don't let your spirit depart from, from me. And so it was then the Holy Spirit re regenerated men. And, they, he, and the Holy Spirit just simply 
empowered them for serving God. But in the upper room, somebody ought to say the upper room. In the upper room, watch this. Jesus had told the disciples that he would send the Holy Ghost to be with them forever. And then he added, you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Ain't that good news to know that in the midst of everything that we're going through right now, that God's spirit abides within us. I hear some old folks say, he walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me that I am his own. Yes, he says, you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And so therefore, on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were baptized. They were baptized with the Holy Ghost right there in verse five. It plainly says that they were baptized with the Holy Ghost in fulfillment of Jesus's promise. But then when you look in Acts chapter eight, you will find that the spirit was poured out on the Samaritans through the apostles so that they both and the apostles would realize that they were now members of the same body of Christ. And so once this transition was completed, all the believers in Christ received the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. Now, I don't want to get nobody mad. I don't want to upset nobody out there. But right down Galatians, the third chapter, verses two through five, all believers in Christ receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. Because listen what Paul says. Paul says, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And he says, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And so, but notice something else that Paul admonishes us. We are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to say it again. It's not an option. It's not nothing that you do by choice. You have to make a choice. It's not an option. We must be filled with the Spirit. Pastor, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I'm glad that you asked. Because all it means when we say be filled with the Spirit, all we're saying is we must be controlled by the Spirit. I don't want y'all to misunderstand it. We got to be controlled by the Spirit. According to Apostle Paul, Ephesians 5 and 18, we have to allow the Spirit of God to control our lives. You show me a person who don't allow the Spirit of God to control their life, and I will show you a person that has not been filled with the Holy Ghost. The disciples on the day of Pentecost, not only were they baptized with the Spirit, they were also filled with the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. And while the baptism of the Spirit is a one-time event, you have to understand that being filled with the Spirit happens uh, 
repeatedly. There's only one baptism to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. But y'all need to understand there's many refillings. Let's see if I can help you all out. Amen. Let me help you out. You didn't fill up your car uh, a month ago. And you've been traveling maybe to the store to get necessities. But if you've gone to the store enough times, guess what? Some of y'all need to go back to the gas station. Some of y'all need to put some gas in your tank. Amen. You didn't just fill it up one time. And ever since you bought that car and the first time you filled it up, you're still running on the same gas. So it is with the Spirit of God. There's only one baptism, but there are many refillings. And that's why I said every now and then, we've got to go back to the altar and we've got to stay there. And we've got to tell the Lord, Lord, uh, fill me again. Hallelujah. How many of y'all know that when we get through living this life, sometimes uh, this life has a way of draining us. Hallelujah. This life sometimes have a way of seemingly getting uh, the best of us. But I dare you to go back to your altar. And I dare you to tell the Lord, Lord, fill me again. You have to understand, to be filled with the Spirit, we must empty ourselves, hallelujah, because the Spirit of God will not dwell in an unclean spirit. You can't be filled with everything else. You can't be filled with jealousy, filled with hatred, filled with unforgiveness, and confess that you are filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to understand, we've got to empty ourselves. And how many of y'all know when we empty ourselves by confessing all of our known sin and by crucifying our flesh and dying to self, that's the time that God will fill us all over again. We must yield ourselves fully to the Lord and depend on him step by step. Let me help you, somebody. When we say walk in the spirit, Somebody said, Pastor, I've been hearing you say walk in the spirit for all these years, and I'm still trying to wrap my mind around what it means to walk in the spirit. Well, I'm going to tell you today what it means. What it means to walk in the spirit, it simply means to yield yourself fully to the Lord and depend upon him step by step. In other words, God, I'm depending every step I take. Hallelujah. That's how you walk in the spirit. Because every step that I take, I'm going to acknowledge you in all my ways. Why? Because I know you're going to direct my path. And the steps of a good man, the steps of a good woman, they are what? Ordered by the Lord. And so when we say walk in the spirit, we are saying depend upon him step by step. How many of y'all know we're living in a day? We're living in a time now. Yeah, church, the time has finally come. We've been hearing about it. We've been reading about it. Yeah, but now it's happening. Guess what? It ain't happening in another state. It's not happening in another city. It's happening five minutes from where I live. Y'all ain't got to talk back here to me. We're seeing it right here. It's happening in some of you all's neighborhoods. It's happening next door to some of you all. And that's why it's very important. We got to walk in the spirit. In other words, we got to depend on him step by step. I'm learning. I'm learning. It's a learning process. I'm learning how to lean and depend on Jesus. 
He's my friend and he's my guy. And guess what? I got to trust him every step of the way. And so being filled with the spirit is also called, watch this, not only depending on him step by step, but it's also called letting the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Uh, the results of a consistent daily walk in the spirit huh, will be the fruit of the spirit manifested in our lives and relationships and trusting God every step of the way. You see the promise of power. It caused the disciples to assemble in the upper room at Jerusalem. They stayed there for 10 days. What did they do while they was up there, Pastor? Well, when you read that chapter, you discover they waited. You discover they expected. How many of y'all know not only must you wait on God, but you have to, your, you got to raise your expectation level. If you believe God can do it, you might as well expect it. They waited, they expected. Not only did they expect it, but they trusted. Not only did they trust, but they were united. The Bible said that they were in one accord. The Bible said that because they waited and because they expected, trusted, and were united with one accord, the Bible said that they received. And then once they received, they were transformed. They were changed. And then once they were changed and transformed, the Bible said they continued. And because they continued, they changed their world. They changed religion forever. If you want to know how, oh, thank you, Jesus, how we're going to change the world, we need to go back to the altar. Hey, we need to be refilled with the Holy Ghost. And we must remain steadfast, unmovable, always abounding into the works of God knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. And not only that, but we must be, my God, united. We have to be on one accord. Why do we have to be on one accord? Because I hear Jesus now saying, we're two or three gathered together in my name, touching and agreeing on the same thing. He said, there I'll be in the midst. How many of y'all know when Jesus shows up, my God, chains are broken. When Jesus shows up, sick bodies are healed. When Jesus shows up, confused minds is brought at peace. When Jesus shows up, eh, everything that's not like God and that exalted self above God has got to come down. The Bible said they change religion forever. And then in Acts 17, verse number six, it says they literally turn the world upside down. And when you look at Acts 5 and 28, can I preach the Bible? It says they filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. And then they became the New Testament church. You ought to write down and say the New Testament church. What is the New Testament church? The New Testament church simply meant that they were the biblical church because the Bible is the infallible written word of God. And we have so many folk today who's trying to discredit the Bible. Oh, I've been watching 
Somebody put on Facebook the other night that somebody found the books that were missing. And those books have been missing, what, 400, maybe 600 years. And somebody supposedly have found the missing books. Well, I stopped by here to let the world know today. I don't need the missing books. There's enough written in the book that can take us from earth to glory. Folk won't even live the book they read now. What are they going to do with what's in the missing book? We believe that the Bible, even though we know it's been translated many times, we're not ignorant to that fact. That's why there's so many different translations. But I stand here, sit here today to let you all know that the Bible is the infallible written word of God. And if you want the power of God to dwell in your life on a daily basis, you got to get into the book. The Bible is right. And I stopped by here to let some of y'all know somebody's wrong. We must, we, we must become a biblical church. In other words, our lives must be built on the word of God. Now understand when I speak of the church now in these terms, I'm not talking about St. Luke Church. I'm not talking about the building, hallelujah, that's located at 3195 L Street in the city of San Diego, California, 92102. That's not, I'm not talking about that because how many of you all know we are the church? Somebody, you ought to pat yourself and say, I am the church. The church consists of uh, believers. We are the church. Let's get that clear. Let's make that plain. Listen, church has never closed. Somebody, you need to know, church has not closed. The building is closed, but church has never closed. Church has never shut down. Every day that you wake up, you are the church. And so we must be a biblical church. Somebody ought to declare, I'm a biblical church. Hallelujah. I am the church. I'm a biblical church. You have to understand now, in order to be a biblical church, you got to read the Bible. I've never seen the life of folk talking about I'm a biblical church, and you never pick up the Bible. That's how you become a biblical church. Our lives must be built on the word of of God, a church which believes the Bible, a church which teaches the Bible, a church that honors the Bible, a church which lives according to the Bible, a church which reproduces the acts of Christ. We got to be a church that step out on the promises of God. And not only must we step out on the promises of God, but then as a church, we have to exercise the power of God. We have to be, we have to be a church where our voices are blended with the voice of God. A church where the impossible becomes possible and it's brought to pass. How do y'all know with men, many things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And I'm wondering, do we have a church? Are we a part of a church that believe that all things are possible? Somebody, your miracle is in the atmosphere and you ought to shout all things are possible. It don't matter. It don't matter what you just heard. I stopped by here to tell you that all things are possible. We've got to be a church where our voices blend with the voice of God. And we believe that God will bring all things to pass. 
We got to be a church that sense the power of the spirit, a church which is more concerned with a manifestation of God's spirit and power than with enticing words of men's wisdom. Oh, I got to move on off of that one, but we're living in the day, but people don't really want the manifestation of God's spirit to dwell with them. The church is used for everything else, but I stop by here to let you know we've got to be the church. We've got to be the church that we have to have a desire to want God to manifest himself. And when we say, God, manifest yourself, in other words, we're saying, God, manifest yourself in my life. Manifest yourself in my life. Somebody ought to say, God, manifest yourself in my life. Can I help us here today? We cannot afford to be the church that has a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I need somebody to know talk is cheap. We've talked enough. We've discussed it enough. We have argued enough. We have debated enough. We just have a form of godliness, but we're denying the power thereof. We can't afford to be a church that's disunited, a church in retreat. You need to understand because they have us at a stay-at-home order and just letting us go out a little bit. We're not in retreat. Come on here, somebody. They said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I just couldn't keep it to myself. You got a telephone. You got email. You got FaceTime. You got WhatsApp app or whatever that's called. Hey, you ought to be a testimony right where you are. We're not going to retreat. We can't be a church that retreat. We can't be a church in backslidden condition. Uh, we cannot be a church. We can't afford to be a church where the gates of hell seem to prevail against us, even though the Bible promises that the gates of hell will not prevail. Uh, one individual said, one indi individual said, where the Bible is not open, then the church speaks with a stutter. I'm going to say it again. When the Bible is not open, the church speaks with a stutter. And then somebody else said, the church is not being condemned for being like Christ. It is being condemned because it is not like him. People are not condemning us because that we're letting our light so shine before God and men that they see our good works and it caused them to glorify the Father which is in heaven. People are not condemning us because of that. People are condemning the church because they cannot see the Christ that belongs in the church. And they have to see Christ in our life. And what does the power of the Holy Ghost do for us? The power of the Holy Ghost, guess what? It transforms us into the image, into the likeness of Christ, where you don't have to open up your mouth and wear a big sign on your forehead and on your backpack to say, I belong to God. But when you open up your mouth, they know you belong to him. By your attitude and your disposition and by your spirit, your personality will let folk know that I belong to God. And that's what the power of the Holy Ghost will do for us. It transforms us into the image of Christ. It makes us more likely like him. Let me calm down as I come to the conclusion. I got good news for y'all. Hallelujah. Don't quench the spirit of God. Quench the spirit of God that's in your life. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because guess what? God is going to open up the physical building. Hallelujah. I talked about the church being uh, the baptized believers, but God's going to open up. God's going to open up the building again. And we understand it's not in the building, 
But David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I don't know about y'all. I'm going to be glad. Hey, I'm going to be glad when they say unto us, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I know y'all been reading and they say, well, pastor, we can go at 25% and our church is large enough. We can put one person on each pew and that'll be six feet apart. We got plenty of hand sanitizer and we'll sterilize the church. Uh-uh, uh-uh. When I go back inside the church, I can't praise him with a mask on. Y'all ain't got to talk back here to me. Uh, when I make a joyful noise unto the Lord, I can't make it with gloves on. Because when I clap my hand, I want you to hear me clap my hand. When I shout for joy, I want you to hear me shout for joy. I don't want to shout and have to worry about whether or not you're going to catch nothing, catch something. Because I don't know whether or not I have something. The devil is a liar. But I stop by to help. I'm getting happy here. I'm, I'm stop by to let y'all know. God's going to let us back into the building. Somebody ought to say, it. God's going to let us back. God's going to let us back. And guess what? A spirit-filled people, those of us that's been filled with the Holy Ghost, we cannot afford to go back to the building the same way we went out of the building. If this didn't teach us something, then guess what? You'll never learn it if you haven't learned it by now. We We're going to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. We're not going to have to pump and prime you and, 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 and act like cheerleaders and spin you around and flip you over. No, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. When you, when you Just write this scripture down, Matthew 21, because Matthew 21 tells us and it teaches us a progression of concepts when it comes to the house of God. Hallelujah. And this is part of our going back. Pastor, when are we going back? I don't know yet, but we're going to go back with the power of the Holy Ghost. That's one thing I know. We're going back filled with the filled with the Spirit of God. Verse 12 of St. Matthew 21 and verse uh, 12, it tells us that God's house got to be a house of purity. We're talking now a house of purity. We're talking about the building portion of it. Got to be a house of purity. Jesus went into the temple, into the building of God. I don't want y'all to miss that. And he cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. In other words, he was saying, uh-uh, you're using this house for the wrong purpose. And can I help you, St. Luke? My God, when we go back into the building, we got to make sure there's a house of purity, and that is used for why God have us to use it. When you look at verse number 13, it's a house of prayer. He says, and he said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. You can fill the church up for a musical, but you can't fill the church up for prayer. He said, uh-uh, my house is going to be a house of prayer. And how many of y'all know those of you that's filled with the Holy Ghost you enjoy praying. Uh-oh, uh-oh, I'm going to say it again. Those that are filled with the Holy Ghost, you enjoy praying because you understand that praying is your way of communicating with God. Prayer shouldn't be the last thing on your list and you declare you feel with the Holy Ghost. I stop out here to let you know the devil is a liar. When you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you, you have a prayer life. And not only is it a house of prayer, but watch this, verse 14 says that my house is a house of power. Verse 14, and the blind and the lame, they came to him in the temple and he what healed them. 
He said, my house is going to be a house of healing. The sick should not come to God's house and leave sicker. The sick should come, hallelujah, and be made whole. And then verse 15 and 16, it says that my house is going to be a house of perfected praise. Oh, God, help me here. Of perfected praise. In other words, God says, those of you that have the power, I'm no longer accepting any old kind of praise from you. In other words, I'm not accepting that you praise me when you feel like praising me or you praise me when everything is going the way you desire for it to go. The devil is a liar. It's right here in the script. It's going to be a house of perfected praise. What do that scripture say? It says, and when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Well, let me, let, let, let me help y'all. God will send the power to even the children to come and shout Hosanna to God. Our kids are not lost. Y'all ain't got to help me. Our grandchildren are not lost. Your cousins are not lost. Your relatives are not lost. I dare you to be filled with the Holy Ghost and see when God draw them in one by one. They said, Hosanna to the son of David. They were sore displeased and said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And watch this. And Jesus said unto them, Yea, have ye never read out of the mouths of babes and sucklings Thou hast perfected praise. God said that if you old folk that don't want to praise him because you accustomed that this ain't the way we used to do it and I can't come up with all this new modern day technology, uh-uh, I'm going to die the way I came in this thing. Well, God bless you and may heaven shine on you. He said out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, they're going to have perfected praise because their praise is pure. We see the little kids jumping around and we want to sit them down because they say, you ain't got it the way I got it. No, that's perfected praise. They're innocent. They're just magnifying and praising God. And so in my closing, guess what? We go from purity to prayer. I don't want y'all to miss this. We go from purity to prayer and then from prayer to power. And then finally, we move from power to perfected praise. Let me say that again so that y'all don't miss it. There's an order here. And guess what? I believe the church for so long, we missed out on the order. So I say, well, pastor, we didn't know the order. Well, now you're going to write it down because you're you going to know it now. It's not going to be no excuse for any believer because watch this. We go from purity to prayer, then from prayer to power. And then finally, we move from power to perfected for praise. We got a lot of folk, all they want to do is praise, 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 praise. They're praised from the time they open up to the time they shut down. But guess what? That's not perfected praise. Because what different is praise if you don't have no power? The reason you don't have no power, because you don't pray. The reason you don't pray, because you haven't been willing to sacrifice your life and sanctify yourself holy. And so we got to pray to have power. And then we got to have move from power to perfected praise. Our mountains are not removed by our power. We could do nothing with the strength and the power that we have. With all this news I've been listening to, if you're not careful, it'll cause you to climb up in your attic and close the attic door. 
and don't come out until it's all over. Y'all ain't got to say amen or nod your head. I'm being transparent. Sometimes you got to cut the TV off because it's just too much. You just have to say, Lord, what's getting ready to happen next? But I stop by here to tell you, we can't do it with our own power. Our mountains are not removed by our own power, but by the power we receive when we receive the Holy Ghost. I want to know, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? What did he say, Zechariah? Amen. What did he say? This is the word of the Lord unto Zubarubo, saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. you got to understand that the power of the Holy Ghost will alter any circumstance. Let me say it again. The power of the Holy Ghost, it will alter any circumstances. And so I want to ask you a question. Was Pentecost a blessing to you or was it power for you? Were you just looking for the blessings of Pentecost? But the Bible said he blessed them at Bethany before they went to the upper room. I don't want just a blessing. I want the power of the Holy Ghost. Power. God's blessings flowing in. Power is God flowing out of us. I'm going to say it again. Blessings is God flowing in. Power is God flowing out. Blessings only affect me. Power affect other people. Come on here, somebody. And then the anointing of God is a special touch for a special task. So God will empower you. God will anoint you. And God will use you. The man confessed, and I'm finished. The man confessed that there came a time in his life when he earnestly prayed. He said, God, I want your power. I want your power. Time moved on, and the power never came. So one day the burden was so great and it was more than he could bear. And so he said, God, why haven't you answered my prayer? I said, I want the power. And then God whispered back a simple reply. And that reply was simply this, with plans no bigger than yours, you don't need my power. I'm going to say it again. He said, with plans no bigger than yours, you don't need my power. Your plans are so small, you can do that on your own. <laughs> Come on here. Your plan don't demand my power. How many of you know that his power, can't no other power do what the Holy Ghost power can do. And so God says, I need, I need your vision to be greater. God said, I want your reach to go further. Because what your, your little mindset, you don't need my power. Your plans are not big enough. But how many of y'all know power? It comes from a word dunamis. It's where we get the English word dynamite. Somebody say dynamite. God gives dynamite power to cause explosions. It is the power to do the works of Christ. Daniel said, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. In other words, God is saying, I want you to do more than what we've been doing. I want you to be endued with power from on high. I want you to be filled with this Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to cause you to explode. And I'm going to do cause you to do great and marvelous things. And so I've discovered that the absence of power is one of the greatest problems of the church today. The absence of power is one of the greatest problems of many preachers the absence of power is one of the greatest problems in the messages 
that we preach. Mark 6 and 17 says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Watch this. In my name, they shall cast out devils. Did it say in my name, they're going to march. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. How many of y'all believe it? Come on, how many of y'all believe it? They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Not maybe so, not there's a slight possibility. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We sing many songs about power, 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 wonder working power in the blood of the lamb. Power, power. Wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. We're the only church, the Pentecostal church, and I'm done, that can take one word and sing it for 15 minutes and stir up a whole house. Y'all know we can. Somebody made up the word power, the song power, power, Lord, power, power, Lord. They, they, They sing that song for 15 minutes. We need your power, power, Lord. We need your power. Power, Lord. Holy Ghost power. They start making up verses. Holy Ghost power. Power, Lord. Holy Ghost power. Power, Lord. And guess what? They would sing that song. It was a very simple song. The lyrics was the same, and and anybody could play it, learning how to even play the piano, because you only had two or three chords. But guess what? They sang that song until the power of the Holy Ghost would fall down, and it would fill the place. And people would be filled and baptized with the Holy Ghost speaking in unknown tongues. If Pentecost brought power, which guess what? I know it brought power because the Bible said they were all that were sitting there was filled with the Holy Ghost. And and they went out and turned the world upside down. So I know Pentecost, that one time experience, I know that it brought power. But I want to know, from every born again, baptized believer that's listening to me right now. Where is the power? Where is the power? We're professing to have the Holy Ghost. There is a power that comes along with the Holy Ghost. Somebody, you need to be baptized, not in water, but baptized in the Holy Ghost. There's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference and having the Spirit of God in your life and being baptized in the Holy Ghost. One baptism, many refillings. So it ought to be our prayer. Lord, fill me all over again. God, do it again. Every eye closed, every head bowed. God, do it again. Do it again. Right where you're sitting, God, do it again. Do it again. Fill my cup. God, let it overflow. Do it again. God, help me to empty myself. Help me to empty myself of everything that's not like you. Oh, God, fill me again. Fill my cup. Let it overflow. God, I want the power of the Holy Ghost. I want power that when I speak to the mountains, the mountains cannot help but be removed. You said it's possible, God. God, I want power that when I lay hands on the sick, 
You didn't say I had to be the pastor. You didn't say I had to be an evangelist, missionary. You didn't say I had to be a prophet or an apostle. You said that these signs should follow everybody that believe. And God, I'm a believer, but I need the power of God. I don't have a title, but I need the power. So when I lay hands on the sick, God, the sick can recover. God, I need your power and your anointing. That when I speak, oh God, in a common way, that it becomes a witness. And whomever I'm speaking to, God, that seed that I plant into their life, that the power of the Holy Ghost will germinate that seed and cause that seed to grow. God, we know can't nobody do it but you. And God, I thank you because your power is the same today as it was on the day of Pentecost. God, I thank you because I know you're still saving. You're still healing. You're still delivering. You're still setting captive free. You're still breaking shackles. God, and I thank you because I know you are in full control. God, I pray for every city. Hey, I pray for every state. Right now, in the name of Jesus, God, all the rioting that's going on, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. God, we got a lot of young people of all nationalities and of all colors. God, that's confused, that's mixed up. God, I pray now that you would arrest their attention in the mighty name of Jesus. We know that you are in full control of the situation. And God, I pray now for those who have lost loved ones, that you be a God of comfort. God, I pray for those that have lost businesses. Ah, no fault of their own, God. Hallelujah. The employees, that that's what they depended on to put food on their table and to pay their rent and their mortgage. God, I pray that you supply every one of their needs according to your riches that's up in glory. We know that your promises are yea and amen. And we know that you hear us when we pray. Do it in the name of Jesus. And then God bless us, the church. The church. Born again believers, the church. God help us to do our part. Help us to pray. Help us to humble ourselves. Help us to seek our, your face. Help us to turn from our work, wicked ways. God, because your word declared when we do that, your word declared, then you'll hear from heaven. God, help us to just do what you've commanded us to do. Because you promised to forgive us of all our sins. And you promised to heal the entire land. And so God, forgive us. Part of this is our fault. Forgive us in the mighty name of Jesus and fill us again with your power and with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. There may be somebody listening, whether you're on Zoom or Facebook, you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I want you to know it's very simple. It's very simple. You can receive him right now. Right now you can receive him. All you have to do is just admit that you're a sinner. We all were born in sin. We were shaped in iniquity. Admit that you are a sinner. Accept him into your life. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Believe that he's a son of God. He died on the cross. They buried him. He rose on the third day. He ascended back to heaven. He's coming back again. And then just confess your sins to the Lord. He's faithful and he's just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. Confess everything to him. Everything. Everything that you know. Because he already knows. But you just confess your sins to him. And the Bible said he's faithful and just 
to forgive you of all unrighteousness. Now, God, I pray for that sinner woman, that sinner man, that sinner boy, that sinner girl that's listening right now. He says, life of sin too long. I'm wrong. God, I want to come home because I know that all souls belong to you. God, I understand that they can't come unless you draw them. Draw them right now. And even now, God, as they're being drawn, as they are admitting that they are sinners, I pray that you forgive them of all unrighteousness in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, I thank you because you're so good and you're so kind and merciful until you have declared that you take all of our sins and you will cast them into a sea of forgiveness and you'll remember them no more. Forgive now of all sin. Forgive them now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody ought to say amen.